Welcome to the Veterinary Business Matters Podcast, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Here we will discuss topics related to veterinary business management. From small to large animal, this podcast strives to give you the insight and tools to help you improve your veterinary business. Oculus Insights, supporting businesses where great people want to be. Hi, it's Mike Pannell, and welcome back to Veterinary Business Matters, the podcast about all things related to veterinary business management from Oculus Insights. I am really excited to invite uh, two of my Ontario colleagues onto the podcast, uh, Dr. Sia Clement from the Carling Animal Hospital in downtown Ottawa, and Dr. Scott Bainbridge of the Dundas West Animal Hospital in Toronto. And both of them have great practices with really cool things they do. But what I really want to focus on is uh, Sia and Scott are doing wonderful things with telemedicine. And I think as we are evolving our practices, telemedicine is here to stay. And I think they've got great lessons for all of us. So welcome to you both. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. So Sia, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your practice. Tell us a little bit about yourself, just so we, we know who you are. And then we'll go to Scott and ask the same question. So, yeah, in a small correction, my practice isn't smack downtown. It's a little west of there. Uh, it's a five full-time doctor equivalent practice, and we see small animals, uh, including exotics. So we we like the little small furries. So currently we're open six days a week, and uh, it's been uh, quite the last three months. It sure has. And Scott, tell us a bit about your practice. Sure. Uh, I'm actually uh, uh, part of a nine vet practice in, in downtown Toronto. I, I graduated OVC, oh geez, 20 years ago <laughs> at this point. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a pretty uh, booming practice. It went from a uh, four vet practice in 2013 to nine vets at this point. So it's been it's been growing quite well. It had been growing quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything was doing great. We were just talking before we started the line and Sai and I were talking. I said, you know, up until the second week of March, our sales were up about 16% over the same period last year. We were exceeding our budget. Like We were like, oh my God, 2020 is going to be amazing. Yeah, and then it's not so much. Um, you know, Since the restrictions on vet care in Ontario, up just for our international listeners, up until about two weeks ago, veterinarians in Ontario were restricted of what we were able to do. We were only able to do urgent care. And so those of us who really adhered uh, to a really tight definition of urgent care saw significant slumps in our revenue. But what I thought what, what Saya and Scott have done is that they have embraced telemedicine. And um, I'm going to let them tell their stories. But, you know, let's, Scott, let's start with you. Because I remember you saying before, you were probably the last person that thought would adopt telemedicine and your perspective has changed. So why don't you just tell us about your path into it? Sure. Well, I was actually approached by a gentleman last year about about bringing telemedicine in, into the practice. And I, I, I really shrugged it off, to be quite honest with you. I just really couldn't see uh, Veterinary Clinic having that kind of uh, setup where, where telemedicine would work. I'm definitely got, taking my foot out of my mouth at this point, considering how many telemedicine appointments we're doing. So when the uh, pandemic hit, obviously we we had to pivot right there on the spot, and uh, so we we decided to embrace telemedicine. And it it kind of concerned me. I'd actually been stranded down in Ecuador when all this happened. So when I came back, it was kind of the perfect opportunity for me because I had to uh, self isolate for 14 days. So. I have a six-year-old son who's a bit of a computer whiz, so he set me up the, uh, I call it the war room upstairs, a couple of monitors, and got me familiar with Zoom, which I'd never done before in my life, and uh, 
what I thought was going to be a bit of a technological nightmare for myself actually was a pretty gentle learning curve. And I'd say I, I had it down pat probably within a day, which, and I'm not the, the most uh, IT responsive guy, I would say. So That's interesting. We'll get into how it actually operates in a bit. So Asaya, tell us a bit about your, your first steps and, and how this, um, this new service opened up for you. Well, um, very similar to Scott, uh, with the exception that I had actually been looking into telemedicine for about six months ahead of time and just hadn't really figured out how to implement it, uh, where to put it, what to use it for. Necessity being the mother of invention, the fact that I had already done all of that and I had actually done some thinking about it when we couldn't see certain types of patients, it became a very easy thing for me to just pivot and say, okay, we, we need to do this now. So, we went from considering it to implementing it uh, literally within about a week. And so I think the fact that I had been thinking about it made it a little easier for me to accept it. Uh, still had a huge number of concerns about the technical aspect of it, uh, which, uh, as Scott alluded to, is actually not too difficult. And, you know, for because you can't tell from my voice, I graduated over 25 years ago. So uh, I also enlisted the uh, assistance of my tech-savvy children as well as my tech-savvy teammates here. Uh, and truthfully, now when it comes to Zoom calls, I'm the one who can actually troubleshoot them better because I've been doing so many of them. Sure, sure. So are you just using Zoom or do you have, let's walk through the flow. So are you, is there a process? Is there a nap? So let's say, let's. so Scott, why don't we start with you? So if someone Somebody calls your practice. How does the discussion about telemedicine start? Sure. Uh, so the way it works right now, when you call the clinic and you get somebody on the phone, they'll kind of screen the call as to whether they think it's uh, one that can be handled, handled through telemedicine. And if, it, if they think it can, they'll discuss that with the client and see if the client's interested in going that route. We are working with Adam Little's company called Go Fetch Health. And uh, it is uh, a platform that uses uh, uses Zoom in order to uh, to connect with the client. And how about yourself, Saya? Um, so we also use the GoFetch app, and I think that was a little coincidental that uh, we happened to both be using the same platform. Initially, when we had uh, when we had very limited things that we could perform, we were also actually screening actively for who could come into the hospital, and then everything else was getting referred to telemedicine. So now we've eased up on that a little bit. Uh, as far as we're concerned, part of being successful in using telemedicine is really being willing to consider that there are things that you can do on a telemedicine call that you didn't think you could. And I like Adam's platform because it basically makes use of things that are very accessible and easy. They're very user-friendly. So the scheduler is uh, incredibly easy to modify on the fly. Um, all the invoicing and everything is also done through that app. So there's there's no concern about uh, getting payment from the client afterwards. So is, is payment done before the telemedicine consult starts through the app or is it actually billed through your practice as you would normally do an appointment? So it's set up uh, so the appointment scheduler is is Acuity, and what it does is when the client books an appointment, they actually have to provide a credit card number. We, in order to finalize the booking, we we don't put anything through on their card until after the completion of the appointment, and so there's it's just there to to hold the spot. There is also a way that if someone cancels very late notice on you, that if you choose to assess a cancellation fee, you can. Uh, I've yet to do that. It was a decision on our part that we were going to actually charge full price for a telemedicine appointment with the understanding that if someone then needed to come in curbside, that they wouldn't be assessed a further exam fee for that. 
And, and I think you do the same thing too, don't you, Scott? Yeah, I feel like Sai and I work in the same practice sometimes. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly <laughs> with us. So uh, uh, we, I don't know, I, I think charging for a cancellation during COVID times would be not go over too well, you know? So, but uh, my biggest concern was, uh, is it going to be me that's going to be asking for payment, like, you know, face-to-face on, on Zoom? I thought that would be kind of weird. So I, I really like how it's all all handled ahead of time, and uh, I, I have very little to do with payment when I'm actually in the uh, in the telephone conversation. So basically what it sounds like is that, you know, because the Acuity or the, the app is not integrated with your practice management software, the conclusion is, is that the two of you are booking periods of time, whether it's a day, morning, or an afternoon, where you're just booked for telemedicine and your schedule is not your practice management software. Rather, it's the schedule that you have through the app. Is that correct? Uh, for us, it's actually both. So it, uh, there's the acuity schedule itself. And then we also um, get the telemedicine person booked into Avamark. And that way, just so other people in who are actually working in the clinic, other vets can actually see who's doing what and who's available at that time. Because often our telemedicine person is working from home. Okay. And how about you, Saria? Yeah, when I when I'm doing telemedicine, I tend to actually work uh, at the hospital because right now there's an increased pressure and need for on-site appointments as well. So they uh, uh, we run both schedules at the same time as well. I'm laughing because yes, Scott and I apparently work in the same hospital. Our practice management software is different, but uh, we book blocks of telemedicine. Uh, appointments. And the one thing we do know doesn't work for someone who's on both curbside as well as telemedicine is to try and flip back and forth. So my team has blocks of my day where they start uh, at the early appointments for the curbside appointments and book through the day and they book the telemedicine appointments from end of day forward. Uh, so then that way we we don't, in, well, there's only one transition point if I actually have to do it as opposed to trying to jump back and forth. Yeah, cool. And so case selection, I think that's, you know, as a veterinarian, I'm I'm looking at telemedicine and, you know, what kind of cases uh, work on telemedicine and and what, you know, and have you started off the process saying, oh, this will be a great kind of case uh, for telemedicine, but you have found out that it doesn't. Let's, Let's start with you on Scott, if you can answer those two questions. Yeah, for definitely. So case selection was a, a bit of a learning curve. I, I kind of wasn't really sure what was going to be easy and what wasn't going to be easy. So uh, they are there are certain uh, certain presenting complaints that are very very simple. I think to handle over telemedicine. So for instance, uh, diarrhea, lumps and bumps, um, behavior. Uh, one of the ones I thought was going to be kind of tricky was actually lameness. And it, I don't know about Saya, but I find lameness actually one of my favorite things to do over telemedicine at this point. So, but yeah, there's certain things I had difficulty with. I find skin is a really tough one. Like trying to, trying to have, look at a cat's coat when they're holding their cat up to their phone, you know, it can be pretty difficult. So, uh, uh, so there, there are things that work great. And the nice thing, I'm not sure if Syed does this the same way, but we don't allow our clients to just go ahead and book telemedicine without it being screened first through the uh, through the clinic. And I know I've heard of other clinics where the client thinks this would be a great telemedicine call. So they just book it and it gets booked in that way. And then it doesn't really work out well. And I'd say in the end, I was looking at the numbers the other day, probably 25% of our telemedicine cases actually have to get referred into the clinic and the other 75% we're handling just with telemedicine and, and med pickup or delivery. So it's kind of nice. And what's your experience on that, Saya? Uh, I absolutely agree. Lameness is a phenomenal one to do at home because the pet's relaxed and we all have that experience of the owner walking in and saying, 
oh, he was limping at home, and ever since he got here, he's not. So um, it, it's it's a really nice uh, modality because quite often they'll say, yeah, they're limping as they're going up and down the stairs, and you can say things like, well, yeah, absolutely, follow them with the camera, let me see that. One type of appointment that uh, we actually are doing a lot of is when we normally see new puppies and kittens uh, for commencing preventative care, we actually book a double appointment for those guys. So because our on-site appointment time is at a premium, we actually will perform the puppy and kitten appointments in two stages. So we do the first half on a telemed call with the owner. And what that means is that we can go through all of the preventative care, all the recommendations, behavior questions that they have. We can actually see the setup of where the puppy's crate is and all of those things. So we can go through all the background stuff. And then by the time they arrive on site, they already know they need to bring a stool sample with them. They already know that they're going to be picking up parasite control medications. And they already have actually received a treatment plan from us for all of those tests, as well as medication, as well as the vaccines that they're going to be receiving. Uh, We follow up those telemedicine calls with an email so that they actually have everything in writing. And we found that our compliance has increased significantly because we've been doing that. Because that face-to-face time with the client, uh, especially on curbside appointments, is really lacking on those new puppy appointments. Uh, So that's been huge for us. Um, I agree with Scott. We actually don't, uh, our clients aren't allowed to book appointments by themselves online, mostly because we have also found that sometimes the choice of them wanting to have uh, a telemed appointment isn't appropriate. So we've actually blocked off uh, the ability for them to book within a three-day period of the day. So if uh, this is, there's a 72-hour advance notice, and so if it happens by chance that they stumble across the booking site, because it's not obvious, uh, we can actually catch those and uh, and call them and adjust it if it's, not, if it's uh, not appropriate. Interesting. So walk me through an appointment. So Scott, you're, you're there in your, you're in your control room with your two monitors and you're hooked up to Zoom and you, it's, 10 o'clock and you know you have to see a, 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 a dog that's limping. So walk us through how that appointment would go. Sure. So um, I'm probably scrambling to get back in my office for 10 o'clock because I've been downstairs trying to get a coffee going kind of thing. So uh, so I, I whip upstairs and then uh, I go on to Acuity. And then once I click on the Acuity schedule, it tells me who my client is, what their pet's name is. I also have the software from from the clinic. So I have Avermark beside me so I can re- kind of just familiarize myself with the client and make sure, uh, you know, if I've met them before, I kind of, you know, don't, don't reintroduce myself, that kind of stuff. And uh, I connect in, there's a link in Acuity to connect in. And then I go into the, the Zoom call and I wait until the client shows up. And probably the thing I like about it the best, clients are, they are there. Like, like, when back in the old days, when they used to show up at the clinic, they, it was fine to be five or 10 minutes late, it seemed like for the client. But on these telemedicine calls, they're there within a minute. So it, it, things go off quite quickly, which is nice. We usually spend the first couple of minutes troubleshooting. I think Saya mentioned that as well, meaning that, um, you know, I've been doing this for so long. I'm, I've actually gotten pretty good at trying to fit, tell people how to turn their camera on and how to turn their mic on, depending on uh, are they on their PC, are they on their laptop, whatever it may be at that point. And then, uh, I usually start just chatting. So once we've got everybody connected, we just start talking and we have our couple of minutes talking about life in the pandemic. And then we start to get into the nitty gritty. Most people are told to have their pet handy. And that that was something we didn't really know to tell people in the beginning. So my first couple of weeks, I spent a lot of time people running around their house with their phones looking for their cats before we could actually get the telemedicine <laughs> call. So, so that's kind of improved things that they actually can have the pet handy for me. And then depending on 
what we're doing. And I always say this to my vets who are doing this, like you've got to cut yourself a little bit of slack. You are not going to do your typical 100% corporate physical exam on the pet over telemedicine. So you're probably going to focus mainly on the problem at hand and uh, you're going to use your client to, to help you out with that. I find having them send photos ahead of time is very helpful, especially when you're dealing with something like, you know, the, uh, a cat's eye or a dog's ear, just so we can get a, a better feeling of what's going on with, without having to do it live right there on, on the spot. Once we've kind of figured it out, what we're doing, I, uh, I then at that point make my suggestions for, for treatment or whether or not I think the animal has to be dropped off at the clinic at that point. Hopefully they don't, and I can handle it on my own. And, uh, once I'm done, I say my goodbyes and I give them their total right there in the, 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 the call. We end the call. I then call into the clinic. Actually, we use WhatsApp. So I'll WhatsApp um, Joanne, who kind of runs all our tele- telemedicine. She's also working from home. And I'll let her know that I am done with the client. And she will then call them back and take uh, payment over the phone, whether it be an ETF or a credit card. And then we send the client to the clinic for the medication pickup and um, it's, they don't have to worry about payment or contacts. So it, it works out great. And so I think you remember it saying once it's about a 20 minute appointment typically. Yeah. So I, they block me off for 40 minutes cause I kind of do need the 40 minutes to get, you know, the, after, after the actual call is done, I still have a, a fair bit of admin work to do at that point, but usually most, most calls would run about 20, 25 minutes. I would think so. And Saya, tell us about your appointments and how you do your appointments. Yeah, it's, so it's very similar. Um, we block off currently 30 minutes uh, with an assumption that it's going to take 20 to do the appointment. And the one thing is that this is these appointments are really uh, history-based. Uh, so like Scott said, you, you end up kind of deferring a little bit on the uh, physical exam portion, obviously, because you can't get your hands on the pet necessarily, but man, can you take a great history on these cases? And, um, and so I find probably about half of the time you're doing history. I think the other thing to remember is that, uh, you can actually get clients to help you really well with a cooperative pet. Uh, so if you've got a dog who's got an ear problem, uh, or for me, because we see the exotics, uh, if I have a ferret with an ear problem, I we often uh, ask the owner before we even start, can you go grab some Q-tips or if you got a swab or something that you can use at home? Because you can actually, for the most part, get them to swab the inside of the ear and show them show you what they're getting out on the on the camera. I will have owners palpate dogs and cats and rabbits abdomens and just you can see a lot when you're watching the facial expression of the pet when the owner does that because you'll catch the wince. Owners are usually pretty good at being able to tell you what color the gums are. Um, you can watch character of respiration as well as get a respirate for the most part on a bigger pet uh, on camera. So we make use of a lot of things that experience tells us is going to be pertinent. And like Scott says, I think we would handle, I think I handle about 70% of these guys on the phone and, and or on the call and not have to, uh, not have to have them physically come in. We have a similar workflow where once I complete a telemedicine appointment, I will send scripts and things up to my team at the front desk. Uh, they know to call the client, um, collect payment, and then they uh, the, the client will come down to pick up whatever medication or prescriptions needed or drop off samples. And uh, we will have them drop off those ear swabs just to confirm that there isn't anything wild and crazy in that ear. We will have them drop off stool samples. And if an owner can catch a urine sample on their dog, uh, we will have them drop all that stuff off to the clinic. That's amazing. So I, you know, something you just said, Saya, they got to ask you in, in terms of, are, are I, you know, we'll ask you and ask Scott, I mean, 
what is your fear of liability if you ask somebody to do something or do an ear swab and they're maybe too aggressive and they cause a problem? Has anything come up like that or is that a concern for you at all? I'm walking them through it, right? So I, in the same vein that I would use, I would do a supervised I'm, I'm responsible for everything that happens in my hospital. I'm not going to, you have to use your best judgment. If you have a client who's nervous and the pet is not going to cooperate, then you don't ask them to do it. But if you've got a client with a three-year-old friendly golden retriever who is standing perfectly still and doing nothing, then it's very simple for you to say to them, and I want you to just put that ear swab into his ear by an inch. I don't want you to go any further than that and just give it a little bit of a wipe and see what you come out with. So you do have to direct them. And when you're doing getting them to check abdomens and things, I'm not going to do that on a dog who's obviously painful. I'm usually just going to do that on the ones where I'm, uh, you know, I just want to make sure that there isn't anything that's blatant. Um, and I just tell them, just push up by about an inch. Like you're going to be very, very specific about what you tell them to do. And so far, uh, I would never, you know, I'm not going to tell them to do anything really dramatic. But lameness exams are, an, are a key example that you can actually get them to jog the dog up and down on the sidewalk and actually see the lameness really clearly. Um, you can actually get them to do a quick run down the spine to say, hey, is there any pain there if you've got a dachshund? You know, things like that. Right. Fascinating. And Scott, um, question for you, because I know we've discussed this before. In terms of the type of people or the type of veterinarians that are appropriate for telemedicine, you know, both of you are have had a few years underneath your belts, but what kind of characteristics should a telemedicine vet have? I think you have to, like I said before, you have to be able to cut yourself some slack because it is a little more challenging when, when you do this. So if you're a perfectionist type of vet, I think you're going to have a bit of difficulty with telemedicine. Um, you use a ton of intuition when you're doing this as well. The history is so, so much more a part of, uh, of the uh, coming up with a, uh, a diagnosis. So to me, this is not something for a brand new vet. I mean, you need a pretty seasoned veterinarian doing telemedicine, one who can kind of, you know, almost make a diagnosis based on history as opposed to the the physical exam. I mean, obviously you're getting some physical exam in there, but there is a, a lot more just on the um, uh, on the history of the animal when it presents. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Saya? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think um, intuition is a real important thing. Experience is an important thing. I would not do my new graduate the disservice of putting them on a telemedicine call. I think that would sure. be an incredibly unfair thing to that veterinarian. Right. So, you know, we, we talk about bringing the pets in. You're between 25, 30% of these appointments need to then come into the clinic. So then the question is, um, if you're paying a veterinarian on production or uh, how do they feel that, hey, you're getting all the gravy doing this first appointment and I'm not getting that. So have you had any discussions about that internally? I'll go with Scott on that. Yeah, I mean, it really has not come up. I mean, the uh, the telemedicine appointment itself is is billed to nobody because that, that goes through GoFetchHealth. So, so no one gets credit actually for that at our clinic. And then if I am referring business into the clinic, the vet that sees that for curbside drop-off is getting all the diagnostics. And I, I've pretty well done all the work for them. So I've I've gone in, made my recommendations and kind of uh, got agreement for the client. So it's actually, it's kind of a bit of a gravy, I think, for our associates because I've done all the legwork and then they're just going to go in and actually perform the uh, the diagnostics and, and they're getting credit for it at that point. So it's actually, I think it works out kind of well for them. And and do you have anything different uh, to share on that, Saya? Nope, that's exactly what happens for us too. 
Okay. Yeah, you must, you do have the same practice. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Two divisions of it. Question for you, Cyan, and then I'll go to Scott on this because I think this is a critical part. And I just went, you know, go, let's go back three months and, you know, you're wanting to introduce this to the practice. How do you get your team on board? How do you get your receptionists, your technicians, your other vets to say, yeah, this is something that's going to be important for the practice and they're all in? Uh, well, at that point, we couldn't see anybody. So that that was a, it, like I say, necessity being the mother of invention, we, we knew we couldn't see some of these clients. It was the only way we could see them. So the uptake was phenomenal uh, for us. Uh, I have a really good group of people that work with me that are not change adverse. So uh, they they are pretty good at screening out when, I, when I'm sort of throwing ideas around because, hey, this would be cool versus, hey, guys, we really need to do this. And so when they hear the, hey, we really need to do this tone in my voice, they usually jump on board. So we only have two of the five doctors who do telemedicine appointments on a routine basis. And the team actually was very happy about being able to keep themselves safe initially when we started this. So the the sell on it was very easy. Um, I think they still see the they still see huge advantages of us being able to do this now, just from the standpoint as far as workflow and things like that, that you can get a lot of these, you can get a lot of really hard uh conversations uh, done on telemed where you then don't have to try and do this shouting six feet away from a person's car or over the phone. Um, So I do a lot of palliative care work as well. And those quality of life discussions are actually really, really fantastic to have over telemedicine. Again, same thing, you get to see the environment that the pet is in. And those are hard conversations for us to have amongst the bustle of what's going on at the hospital. So those are those are ones that my team is incredibly happy to refer to telemed and they work very well. Uh, how did it go in your practice, Scott? Yeah, I mean, again, very similar. I think I think safety initially was, well, it still is, is, was all my staff's number one concern. So any any modality we could use that would keep clients from coming in contact with our staff was was very well embraced. Um, I have a, have a staff of 40, 45, I think right now, and uh, and a lot of them are millennials. So this technology, they were all over it. Like they, uh, they were very, very responsive to it. So um, I think too, one of the important things about telemedicine and and I, I always let my staff know this that when we do end up having to change that telemedicine appointment into a curbside drop-off we are very careful to screen clients over the phone I'll, I'll do that personally so I'll you know you do this as delicately as you can but I'll often say so you know not to get personal but I just want to make sure you have you do not have COVID you have not been exposed to anyone with COVID you're not feeling sick and you know 99% of the time people say, uh, no, no, I'm fine. And I just reassure my staff that I'm not sending a sick person to the clinic, obviously. Um, But that being said, I think it was only my, my third day. And my client said at the end, yes, I've had COVID. I've been COVID positive. I'm a, I was skiing in Austria and I picked it up, (laughs) but, and, uh, but I'm now, I've been retested. I'm now negative. And I was kind of, it really kind of hit me at that point because I was like, okay, these are very important questions to be asking people before you send them in. Yeah, we we actually ask all of those questions several times. Uh, we'll we'll do it when we book a curbside appointment or um, even off telemed or just off a regular call. But then when they show up again, we actually ask the question again. 
And we found that the one thing you can do is rather than ask the client if they themselves are sick, just ask if the pet has been exposed to anyone who is ill or experiencing signs. That's a neat way of going about it. Yeah, it tends to just kind of defray that sort of stigma of like, are you ill? And we we messed that up a few times initially (laughs) into the process, which is why we changed the wording on it. Uh, And people are very, very understanding of the need for us to ask. Fascinating. So, uh, Sia, we'll continue with you. What has been the biggest surprise that you've faced or that, you know, about telemedicine that you had no idea two, three months later that this would have been happening for you? Well, first of all, just being able to keep practicing was the most important thing for us. But secondly, I think the prize is, is that we've developed this whole new way of being able to reach clients. And I think that there's going to be a huge uptake for wanting to continue with this. And as um, as as Scott alluded to, you know, millennials are all over this. And there are so many of them that I'm seeing now with new puppies and kittens that are just ecstatic about the fact that they get to have the Zoom call first. And then, you know, the, the follow-up's all there. So there is a huge need, I think, for us to be able to continue the service afterwards. So that's what I'm looking forward to now is just how do we now go ahead and maximize the use of this in the future? Because the emergency part of it is now getting to be, you know, done. They close this down again, it's there and ready to go. But if for whatever reason, we don't have that happen, then how do we then maximize this? And how do we grow our practice? And how do we future proof by having this? And, And so that's exciting for me. Yeah. What about you, Scott? For me, I, I was really worried that we were going to kind of lose that that wow factor. Like I, I'm from the service industry. I worked for you know as a as a waiter at a, a steakhouse for like 25 years. So I really had it drilled into me that customer service is is extremely important. I've always taken that to uh, to the clinics I've run as well. And so for me, I was like, how do I? How do you really, really impress somebody? Uh, in in a pandemic, like you, telemedicine works great for that. And like Sai had mentioned before, you can really wow new puppy owners on telemedicine, and they they are thrilled. Like normally, you might get me in the room on a on a puppy appointment for maybe ten solid minutes, but on telemedicine, you might get to pick my brain for thirty minutes. So uh, so people are. I, they're, they're, it's, I've been impressed at how blown away they are from the benefit of telemedicine for themselves. So it's been that's been rewarding. Fascinating. And and Scott, I'll continue with you in terms of we will get through this COVID at some point. Everything ends. How do you see this changing your practice? The sense I get from both of you is, you know, if all restrictions were lifted and we had a vaccine tomorrow, telemedicine is something you're going to want to continue in your practice. So assuming that's correct, and, and please let me know if I'm wrong, how do you see this changing your practice in the future? Yeah, to me, you are correct. And uh, I, I would love to maintain this if our governing body allows it after COVID ends. But uh, in particular, behavior appointments, like I, there's nothing worse than being stuck in a six by six exam room with an aggressive dog and their owner discussing why the dog's aggressive and biting people like it's, there's no need for that to happen. So you can do that easily over over telemedicine and probably be way more efficient and uh, and give the the owner a lot more better advice as well in those cases. Zaya was the one who opened my eyes to doing the um, telemedicine for the puppy and kitten appointments as well. And that has just been so beneficial to see the puppy in their, their home environment. And when you ask what kind of food they're feeding, they don't just say the blue bag. They can actually go get it out the cupboard and show it to me kind of thing. I'm, I'm trying to think, why would I ever bring a naive puppy 
into an animal hospital where animals are sick. Like there's, there's really no need for that to happen. So we just do all the legwork over telemedicine. And then the, the puppy just gets popped in quickly for listening to their heart, make sure everything's in the right spot and get the vaccine in and get them out again. So I, I think we'll definitely keep that going down the road. And what about you, Saya? Yeah, so um, we actually have a house call service as well, too. Uh, so I have a mobile unit uh, that runs out of the hospital. So the other thing that I can see is dovetailing telemedicine with that service. Uh, because I have a lot of people who can't travel or we have a, a, a pet who is... Uh, you know, mobile ch- mobility challenged or whatever, or older. Um, so I see them initially on a house call, but then to follow up with them on telemedicine is a far more efficient use of my time rather than doing three, you know, three house calls in an afternoon. You could sit down and follow up with, you know, six or seven of those patients in an afternoon and still give them really good care. So I can see it dovetailing with that really well. The other type of appointment uh, that I really love it for is to just re- um, just to reassess the uh, husbandry and stuff for exotics. Like a lot of the time, uh, they come. Most of those little guys come in in a carrying cage, which isn't representative of what they live in at home. So it's actually kind of fun to be able to see what what these owners will actually put together for these small pets, and they are uh, amazing compliant. Uh, owners for us as well too. So uh, there's a there's a lot of places that I can see it, and obviously you know some of those little guys are really nervous about going in the car. The only thing, and I I think I jokingly said this at one point to you both, but uh, you know you don't want to try and sex a rabbit on a telemedicine call because it just doesn't work very well. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Well, this has been absolutely fascinating. And I know any uh, practitioner listening to you or, or members of the team uh, are have to get their interest peaked. And I, and I know before I had my first conversation to the two of you, I have to admit, I was a big naysayer. There's a lot about telemedicine. I was like, this just won't work with animals. And I, I'm convinced, 100% convinced. And I, I think this is where our, our future is going. This whole COVID crisis has started to accelerate a lot of changes. We're going to end up here anyhow. We're just ending up here quicker. And uh, it's amazing, you know, how responsive both of your practices. So I just, I want to give both of you a huge kudos of terms of a lot of people, you know, regardless of the industry, when this kind of change happens, it's so much easier to be paralyzed and just hope and wait for things to get better. But you really just took advantage of it and, and it's, it's really turned into a positive for you. So thank you both very much for sharing your knowledge and, uh, and, and to giving some inspiration to other vets that'll be listening to this all over and, and saying that hey, we can do this too. So really do appreciate your time today. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for the opportunity. My pleasure. Hi, this is Mike. Uh, just a little postscript on our discussion. Just after uh, I hung up the call or just stopped recording with uh, Scott and Saya, Scott said, you know, Mike, we didn't talk about the kind of clients, the kind of business that he is seeing that they're gaining at their practice because of telemedicine. He said, we're getting people that used to be clients that have moved away and we're getting a number of clients that had heard that we're offering telemedicine. So he's really seeing it as a competitive advantage. I thought that was an important thing to add. So thank you for indulging this last 30 seconds. Thank you. At Oculus Insights, we care a lot about animals, but we also care about the health of the veterinary profession. Our goal is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success.